Doing so. Oh, she told me that recording was in progress. So that's yep. a good enough cue to say hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles fearless records, Punk Goes Ellipses series to answer the age old question, hell yeah or yeah, nah. And yes, you just heard a throat clearing. That is. Uh, that was me. Sorry. That was. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh you became richard s he for I a did, second i did i did oh i thought i muted myself no no, no that's okay <laughs> huh well this is this What's is a this raw this is a raw uncut podcast like we just we just do it warts and all because i can't be bothered editing out the warts gross so if i turn oh wow that volume control is not working oh, oh well what what can't what well, you can't know. or can you hear Oh no no it's it's my it's my end it's not you uh, ah it's I me see. well that's all right then because we can hear you so this will just be an interesting cool. episode where we can hear you you can't hear us but hey it's gonna be I can hear you gonna be fun next time you need to mute something just say mute this bit and then do the thing and then we'll cut it out <laughs> um, how how have you been Richard S he I I've been not bad I've yeah. been. Writing, writing, watching uh, music biopics for research on a secret project. <laughs> I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and was very upset by it. That upsets then me, I, but I totally understand. Um, and then I watched Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. It was just in <laughs> tears. Like, what did you think of Walk Hard? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Had you seen Pretty much every joke lands for me. Had you seen it before? No, first time. Yeah, that's... Uh, I think we're due for a rewatch. We're due for a rewatch. Mm, so uh, there is an extended, like, two-hour-plus version that I would like to see, so... I think I have the DVD of that extended two-hour-plus version, so... Sweet. Anytime, anytime... Well, not not at the moment, but anytime <laughs> lockdown ends for us here in Melbourne. Exactly. Come around and we can... Uh, that'll be an interesting double feature, that and Martyrs the French mm. extreme horror film that we've been planning to watch. <laughs> Marta Hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't be as, can't be as nihilistic as uh, this week's song, which is mm. Mookie by Limp Biscuit, as covered by Lost, all capitals, for Punk Goes 90s Volume 2 Japanese edition. Wow. Like a charm, hey, like a charm, hey, like a charm. I did it all for the nookie. Oh. 
I'm, I'm not, yeah, I don't actually think that Limp Bizkit's nihilistic, but I just uh, realised that I had not announced what we were doing yet. That's okay. They are hedonistic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely hedonistic. Which I guess in a way is maybe nihilistic. I don't know. It can be. Yeah. I guess it depends what you channel like your energy into. I feel like we've had this conversation on the pod before. Probably. We've probably <laughs> had every possible conversation. Yeah. On the pod at this point. <laughs> Time is a circle. Yeah, just keeps going round and round. That's yes. definitely deja vu I'm getting from, from even that. Oh, my god! Time is a circle. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, let's... Sorry, it just means we, there's a glitch in the matrix and we no. need to unplug. <laughs> no, no, and no. wake up from our seemingly all right world into a really shitty world. Oh, don't. That's not funny. Limp Bizkit formed in 1994 <laughs> uh, and they hail from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, growing up in Gastonia, Gastonia, North Carolina, vocalist Fred Durst took an interest in breakdancing, hip-hop, punk, and heavy metal. Um, it was while mowing lawns and working as a tattoo artist that he formed the idea of a band that consisted of elements of hard rock and hip-hop. Um, I mean, let's not forget Kid Rock, but that's fine. Well, was Kid Rock, I don't know if Kid Rock was necessarily, Kid Rock wasn't a thing in 1994. I, yeah. I'm being a shit. Like, yeah, yeah, there was also like the um, the collaboration of Aerosmith and Run DMC oh, and yeah. Public Enemy and Anthrax. So yeah. like, he didn't create the idea of rap rock or rap metal, but. True. Rage yeah. Against the Machine. As we yeah, Rage. Yeah. He, he's, he has cited uh, Rage and um I don't know if necessarily Faith No More, but definitely uh, Mike Patton mm. uh, and Mr. Bungle as influences mm. to his sound. Yeah. For sure. Um, so with this idea in mind, Durst convinced bassist Sam Rivers to start a band with him that consisted of, quote, rappin' and rockin'. The hippin' and the hoppin'. So that's a, I think we need that as our tag line now. It's so good. Rappin' and rockin'. <laughs> Punkin' and poddin'. <laughs> oh my god that's yeah incredible well done we put the pod back into punk yeah um <laughs> so rivers oh, i read rivers as like rivers kumo from weezer i was like wait what yeah he was he was the secret fifth member <laughs> or sixth member would not surprise me <laughs> um so bassist sam rivers then suggested that his cousin John Otto, a jazz drummer with ties to local avant-garde bands, join them. Uh, and then later, guitarist Wes Borland joined the lineup. It's a pretty interesting collection of people in this seemingly, well, not seemingly, this much maligned band. <laughs> like, like just, a, yeah, an avant-garde drummer, uh, uh, just a man who is avant-garde in Wes Borland, just straight up and down. He's just avant-garde. Yeah. They're like red hot chili peppers in that sense, I guess. Except good. That, well, you can easily underestimate them and you can also call the front man a tool. Yes. If that makes sense. I think he had a I think he had a rivalry with Tool, so I bet. Well, probably not, but he definitely feuded with a lot of people, which we will get mm. into a little later on. Um, you know what? You can take this bit, Sam, because I really don't want to be spewing these names. <laughs> so Durst, 
would name the band Limp Biscuit because he wanted to create a name that would repel listeners. Other names considered by Durst. All right. This is probably probably my favorite one is Gimp Disco. Sure. Split Dick Slip. Bitch Piglet and Blood Fart. I think Gimp Disco could have really gotten them gotten them pretty I agree. Far. I want to start a band name generator that literally only has those words in it. So, like, Mm. it would be a limited amount of (laughs) possibilities, but, like, you could get Gimp Piglet or Bitch Disco or... Bitch Dick Slit. (laughs) Dick Slit Piglet. So, like, like the Wu-Tang name generator. It's just the alternate universe Limp Biscuit name generator. And but you only have like a certain amount of options, so like it's just a useless website ultimately. Uh, it, it doesn't say why Fred Durst decided to name Biscuit just like an absolute nong though. Bizkit. Bizkit. I think. I think it actually kind of takes away some of the meaning of Limp Biscuit, which I did not know until right? you told me, and I was deeply upset. Wasn't that no know. Limp Biscuit's just a it's just a soft dick, isn't it? Isn't there that? Well, are you like, thinking of are you thinking of their two thousand album, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, their no. third studio album? No, I'm <laughs> available at all. I'll tell you the story about that album a bit later on. But yeah. um, no, isn't Indeed. there like a thing that dudes would like? Also called Soggy Biscuit, which yeah. I don't know if you want to actually explain it no, on the podcast. No, no, that's all good. Soggy Biscuit can make, uh, remain a mystery. Make sure you turn on incognito mode. Yes, sa- that safe one. search that one. Don't, um, just don't yeah. search that one. I don't think that's what a Limp Biscuit is. Uh, or is it? I don't, I don't know. It, I think it is. Is or, this yeah. guy who wanted to have... Split dick slit as a name. But don't forget a biscuit in America is basically a scone. And a soggy soggy biscuit is still it can a be. cracker. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a biscuit is a, it's basically a scone. It's like a... Uh, it's, in the southern context, yeah, but... Biscuits and gravy. It's both the same, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they do it differently in Jacksonville. Maybe. Yeah. Home so I guess the, the Australian... The Australian version would be a Tim Tam Slam. <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't. Oh, man. Oof. Oh, I want one now. I'm not anyway. going to get too far into it, but I was like, we were sitting on the couch. You had just finished work, and I was like, I just realised today what Pearl Jam means. Mm-hmm. You were like, yeah, yep. I, don't, I, didn't even know what, I didn't even know what you want me to say to this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... Knew that one probably earlier than you, purely because I also learned what Dude Ranch means. But, um, mm. yeah, here we are. So the band's early popularity was so strong that Sugar Ray, <laughs> the band Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath, the lead singer, who was signed to a major, la- major label at the time, opened for an unsigned Limp Biscuit at one of the local Jacksonville punk clubs. Sweet. Their popularity was oh. such that they went from playing to tens of people to nearly a thousand in just a few months. And this was a large part to Durst mark- Durst's marketing of the band. He really sold the shit out of it, but like he couldn't still land them a record deal for a while. Uh, he would pretend to be their manager though. So <laughs> many, they, many, they many could- people do this in music. Um, and it rarely ends well because you 
I mean, I can imagine like if you're making phone calls and stuff, then yeah. But if you're doing it like over email, it makes you seem like a massive poser. So yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty sure former president of the United States Donald Trump has done that tactic as well. He was, uh, I think he was like was being interviewed. Me. Like his manager was being interviewed, but it was very much it's like, oh, you just you sound like Donald Trump on the phone. Oh. <laughs> so the bands, yeah. <laughs> The band's big break would come when Korn, who were in town opening for Sick of It All, accepted an invite to drink beer, accepted an invite to drink beer with and get tattooed by Durst. Apparently his tattooing was not very good though. I could, uh, I could imagine that. Like I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah. Uh, but he managed to give the band's demo to Korn's bassist Fieldy to listen to. And the band would then go on tour with Korn. I'm disappointed that that doesn't read Feldy like I want it to and that he didn't John hang Feldman. out with John Feldman. Yeah. That would be fucking sick. Are you upset that um, are you upset that John Feldman is not a member of Korn? Yes, very. I mean, they do. They do it sometimes incorporate bagpipes because Jonathan Davis is just... Hmm. Into them. Bagpipes are the most hostile instrument. Just, I hate them. He That's just, true. Yeah, he's just he's just a man. Yeah. I'll get into Jonathan Davis later as well. But so auditions were put out for a second guitarist, but Borland determined Wes that Wes Borland, the guitarist, determined that they didn't need a second guitarist. So instead, the band would enlist former House of Pain, yes, House of Pain that, that did jump around, turnstilist DJ Lethal. It's very much a so, DJ legal is just like a a creator DJ name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it was original for the nineties. Like who knows? True. Probably. Yeah. Um, cut you off. Note from me yes. is it's worth mentioning Lip Bizkit's cover of Faith by George Michael, which in nineteen ninety eight was pretty much their second single, I think, from the first okay. album. But yeah. basically, it's a song that made them infamous slash famous. Um. It's pretty much the cover that kicked off the trend of new metal covers of pop songs, which were a big thing for the time. Yeah. I think arguably the punk goes series as a whole. Because yeah. it's it's really fascinating. So I, I can never make my mind up on this specific cover. Because it's a little bit like uh haha, like we're covering George Michael, but also they genuinely seem to like the song, even yeah. though they're kind of making fun of it. <laughs> I will come in and say, and I don't know if there's recording of this, but they also would perform Straight Up by Paula Abdul live. Oh, mm. that's so good. Which we, we had done, and it definitely, because we did it, I would have found Limp Biscuit covering that, surely. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there, there's definitely, like, he he has that pop sensibility. He's, he said, I don't, I'm happy for us mm-hmm. to be a pop band because pop means popular. Get it? That's yeah. what pop means. These are fucking genius. I think uh, we should get Fred Durst on the pod. <laughs> he's he's not great in interviews. Um, <laughs> he's he, been better, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's chilled out a bit. Uh there's like recent interviews where he's just like entirely trolling <laughs> the interviewer. It it's just like good content, at least. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like I just want I just want to know what's going on with your new album. Yeah, oh wait, true. you have you you've, you've been working on the same album for ten years. Speaking of. So I believe it's been since 2013. The information is just a little bit spotty, but 
the band have been working on their sixth studio album, Stampede of the Disco Elephants. I believe that was their sixth uh, alternate band name. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, But yet the album has not been released. So is this their Chinese democracy? I guess. There there are rumours that they already put the album out secretly and we're just waiting for fans to, like, find it. But there's also a quote... There was also a quote from uh, Durst that, oh, if you go on SoulSeek, you can already download the album, which Wes Borland denied. Yeah. I went on SoulSeek and I found five tracks leaked. So not oh. the whole album, but mm. very weird. Shit. Yeah. How do you secretly put out an album? Like, do you just do you just go in with like your bootleg burnt CD and like slip know. it in in like the Limp Biscuit section of a jb hi-fi like what I mean, how, how do you secretly release an album online people do upload albums under aliases on yeah. spotify and stuff man and just whether the algorithm picks it up or not you know yeah yeah like stock music especially yes mm-hmm. mm. so fred durst uh is one i'd say he's probably a bit of a hothead he has uh Found himself in many feuds, many mm-hmm. public feuds. So feuding with the likes of the band Slipknot, uh, Brian Molko of Placebo. Sick. <laughs> He's feuded with Eminem, Shaggy 2 Dope of, uh, of Insane, Insane Clown Posse because they were doing, Limp Biscuit was performing a show and Shaggy 2 Dope came out and drop kicked him. Or attempted to drop kick him. Well, he, he <laughs> makes contact, but Fred Test also just sort of kind of goes, oh. Yeah. What the fuck? And it's like some idiot with no clown makeup on. Uh, he's also uh, feuded with Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails fame, but no rivalry is more contentious than his one with the country of Ukraine, <laughs> who have banned him from entering the country after he espoused support of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Durst wanted dual citizenship in Russia so he could spend half the year in Crimea. Mm. I mean, I guess, I guess he should have become friends with Steven Seagal because that's probably your yeah. in Russia. Wild. Yeah. Um, several years ago, Fred Durst was um, running a jazz club in Los Angeles, which pretty much makes him Ryan Gosling yeah. from La La Land. That's, um, I do like that he's just really leaning into middle age. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. He looks like a dad. Now and like I don't even say that menace. Like full respect. Like he's turned the peak of his cap to the front, and he's just a dad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was a he was a dad all the way through this. He was he was like a dad at twenty. I'm pretty sure he was like mm. his daughter was born in 1990. So, but I mean, like just the full like dad aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But just like Wait, oh, his yeah. daughter is our age. Yeah. Wow. Wild. They're middle aged men. Like they're not young. Yeah. He also uh, enjoys a Twitch stream or two. <laughs> hmm. You've written You're... down uh, the facts about him being Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, he um he he's also directed three movies. Yes, yes. starting in the two thousands. Um, one, The Education of Charlie Banks, which apparently a fair few people saw. Mm-hmm. One called The Long Shots with Ice Cube. Yep, and um, when a couple I... years ago. I was just going to say, it was when Ice Cube was still doing uh, family movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of years it. ago, 
Yeah. Uh, sorry. A couple years ago, um, the fanatic with John Travolta, um, as like a stalker of a celebrity, which is apparently based on Fred Durst's like real experiences. Oh, which is funny because the man who is being stalked by John Travolta is Devin Sawa, who played Stan in Eminem's song Stan. Oh, so he was getting stand in that movie. True. Yeah. Apparently it's very bad. This it is, film. It, apparently it really is. Mm. I want to double feature that with Danzig's movie Veronica because that mm. is also supposed to be really bad. It'll put us in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, do you want to take the song details? Sure. So Nookie was the first single from the 1999 album Significant Other. Both the song and the album were produced by Terry Date, who also did albums like every Pantera album after Power Metal. He did Astro Creep 2000 by White Zombie and Repentless by Slayer. Um, in a 2008 interview with Kerrang! magazine, Wes Borland took the blame for the name Nookie. He said, there was a porn magazine called Nookie on the coffee table at the recording studio. Borland liked the name, but didn't think anyone else would like it. Uh, mm. Durst has said, the song is about his ex. She was uh, she was cheating on him with his friends, but he couldn't break away from the relationship. And he's he was working in a band because he was doing it for the nookie. He's, he's a, that's he's about a, right. Basically, a direct quote from him. He does say, "I was doing it for the nookie." Yeah. In an interview with a straight face. Jeez. Yeah. So the music video is supposed to represent the band being on the run after being blamed for inciting a riot at Woodstock 99. Now, just quickly, it is not exactly true that they incited a riot, Wasn't so it to speak. Wasn't mud flags? I know that Green Day played at Woodstock 99. Mm. A lot of things happened yeah. at Woodstock 99. And actually, there's a documentary on HBO coming out this Friday. Oh, sick. Which I'm excited for. Um but basically, a lot of it was is to do with the conditions that were already there at Woodstock. Like, yeah, yeah. the mud, um, the insanely high price of water, yes. the toilets flooding, and just, like, the general kind of misogyny in the air, oh. I guess. It's oh. like Limp Bizkit definitely didn't help things by playing a song called Break Stuff, but <laughs> yeah. they're not, like, responsible for it either, I think. Yeah. It just seemed like... Bad luck followed them for a little bit as well because that yeah the two thousand big Australia big day out in Sydney mm. and yeah a girl um, really unfortunately died in the mosh pit mm. at Olympus mm. show and I don't know it sort of feels like it kind of fucked him up quite a bit yeah yeah definitely yeah and like just being blamed for for that um, so yeah they they didn't have the best of luck in terms of their life shows for a while yeah i think that they did like flee the country after that big day out ah. i'm just looking it up i remember um, when the news came out like i remember having a vague idea of like oh yeah limp biscuit mm. like he did come back like because they i think they were sued and he came back and like stood to the charges of it it seemed, i'm pretty sure and i think they were found yeah. yeah, it's a violent show, but at the same time, like, they were How are they responsible for it? And I think he was, because I, I can't remember if it was Woodstock or Big Day Out, where he's like, he's like, yeah, 
break stuff, but do it respectfully to the people standing next to you. Like if someone falls mm. over while you're breaking stuff, mm. pick them up, but continue to break stuff. <laughs> Basically mm. saying like, yeah, riot, but like riot with respect. Responsibly. Yeah, responsibly. Man. Yeah. So Nookie was the band's first hit song, reaching number 80 on the Billboard Hot 100. It also reached number 13 on the ARIA charts and 33 in New Zealand. Bogans loved it. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, we loved it. They still do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would also land the band their first Grammy nomination for Best Hard Rock Performance, which is a category that makes no sense if you ever look into it. Um, yeah. But they would lose to Whiskey in the Jar by Metallica, which, in my opinion, fair enough. Nice. Really? So, really fair enough. Yeah. Well, hmm. I don't know. I mean, do you want to look at the category? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll take I'm already typing head. it, so too late. <laughs> Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Performance. 1999. Oh, no, actually, it's, yeah, it's two. Yeah, it's 2000. Down. So Alice in Chains, Get Born Again, Buck Cherry, Lit Up, Ugh. Kid Rock, Bawit Daba, Corn, <laughs> Freak on a Leash, Limp Bizkit, Nookie, Metallica whiskey in a jar. Okay. I've I mean, corn. Nookie and whiskey in the jar are the best out of all of that. Corn, 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 corn. You lose points for scatting. Like, absolutely not. You do. You do. <laughs> um, the absolute worst moment in the whole Nookie saga. So mm-hmm. at the 2000 MTV VMAs, Christina Aguilera performed Come On Over Baby, which is a bop. And then Fred Durst joined her mid-performance to do the Limp Bizkit song, Living It Up. Um, that's a fun watch because it does not work as a mashup in the slightest. Sweet. She, yeah, she does her usual like vocal thing over the Wes and riffs at one point. Nice. So insert clip here, Sam. Please do. But yeah, metal fans and bands uh, thought it was embarrassing, to which Durst replied, I already told you guys before, I did it all for the Nookie man. That's why I did that with Christina. To which she replied, he got no Nookie. That did not happen, okay? I just want to clear the table right there. And the thing with Carson Daly too, Eminem's whole song, The Real Slim Shady, did not happen. It just didn't. But it's some really crazy stuff that people want to insinuate and people want to say... And it is hurtful, which I yeah. say, you go, girl. Yeah. Uh, that's, Do it, yeah. It's just like he absolutely set himself up to just fail there, like mm. as if she wasn't going to come out and be like, get fucked. Fuck like, off, dude. Yeah. 
Turn your back, like, like turn your cap forwards, you idiot. I'm Christina fucking Aguilera, like. And he implied it about Britney at the time too. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, fuck off. Ugh, anyway. Mm. So in a 1999 interview with Enemy, Fred Durst said, well, I used the words bitch and whore in the song directed towards one person who was both of those things, if you ask me. To the naked eye, people that didn't want to take the time and listen to the words might think otherwise. But I definitely respect women. I have a better attitude than almost anyone I know (laughs) towards women. Um, And the interviewer then talks to his mother, who is a Lutheran church administrator who testifies about Fred's continued faith and relationship with God. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't feel like they ever really did anything that was blasphemous. It was, it's not like, it's not like a sh- it wouldn't shock me that he's a Christian. He was born in Carolina and raised in Florida. Like, mm. that's got to come out some way in a person. <laughs> it's a very classic case of just being American and, being religious by default then, especially mm. given where you grew up mm. and all that kind of yeah. thing. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just. I respect women, but I'm going to lie about having sex with, <laughs> with numerous female celebrities. Yep. Oh, my God. He's just such a cuck. Like, <laughs> more like Simp Biscuit, am I right? Don't kink hey. shame. Um. I was looking at the lyrics for Nookie before we started and it's just like the more I read them, they're just the stupid, like it's a very, I guess we should just talk merge into talking about the song, mm-hmm. but like it's just such a classic case of like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Like, just, I'm over you, but I'm going to write a song about you. Yeah, and like I'm going to use all this bravado to pretend that I'm fine when I'm actually really upset by this whole thing, mm. but I'm fine. Like <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Exactly. You fucking bitch. Like mm. in saying that, I think this song rips. It's just, <laughs> it's obviously aged very poorly. Not that it was ever particularly pristine to begin with. I just have, so, I have so much to sort of talk about in terms of Limp Bizkit. And that is why we're here. I, yeah, I listened to Significant Other, and it is kind of interesting. Ooh. Interesting compared to their follow-up, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. <laughs> uh, mm. In terms of like lyrically, lyrically, like he seems very self-aware, and it's almost like I'm a musical terrorist. I I understand mm. that you're gonna hate this, but you're gonna love it by the end of it. You're gonna love how much you hate this. And talking about like basically like yeah you think I'm shit maybe I am shit whereas like chocolate starfish there's there's none of that it's all just bravado yeah even mm. even if it might be and a the, better album well I think the album before all of that three dollar bill y'all is actually like legitimately good um, okay that's where he's not playing as much of a character he's like rapping more properly um and. It's all it's all a bit more faith no more, I would say. Like okay, yeah. what they're doing musically is a lot more interesting. It's just they kind of leaned into the pop and the provocation of it all. Cause aside from that one album, they were never really an album band. They were very much a singles band. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would say definitely by Chocolate Starfish, they were leaning more into like the pop side of things. Yeah. Um, I just, I remember, I remember one of my school friends, um, you know, you'd get the magazine that only had posters and he had a poster of Fred Durst on his wall, but like, I don't know if it was just Fred Durst didn't want to take the picture because it, it looked like it was like at the front of a restaurant. Like he was <laughs> he was waiting to sit down and he was just lifting up his shirt and just like looking at the camera with his shirt lifted up and one of my other friends being like, he has the best snail trail. Oh, my God. Ooh. Did he have abs at the time? No, Fred Durst never had abs. I, I like, Honestly, props to him then. Like, body positive icon right there. I think that's kind of always been his thing is that he kind of, he's like the musician that's like, oh, yeah, he represents me. Yeah. In in body type. He (laughs) he represents the everyman in his body type. I was about to say the everyman of rap rock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he kind of is. I don't want that man to be Kid Rock. Because Kid Rock can go fuck himself. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, yeah, it just has very Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder energy. Like, yeah, anyone uh-huh. with a dad body just rocks it. I, like, obviously that's because beauty standards are so much lower for men, but still, like, go off, King. But like, I, I'm just thinking about at the time that they're writing this, like, because he was born in I think 1970. Mm-hmm. It's like they're nearly yep. 30 at this point. They're nearly my age, <laughs> and they're still mm. talking about this sort of stuff. And it's like, maybe grow up a little bit. Come on. Come on, grow up a little bit. Link 182 has entered the church. Yeah. Yeah. That's just very... a different time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know? It was everywhere, I guess. That's true. Like, just that very testosterone fueled, like, yeah. escapades and, yeah. It was, yeah, it was refreshing because, like, I, at the time that I was listening to Limp Bizkit, um, I was also listening to a lot of Eminem. And so there are a couple of skits or like one skit or two skits, I think in significant other. And it was like, Oh, it's refreshing. It's not very, it's not homophobic at all. Yeah. Unlike Eminem who just entirely like just gay bashes. Yeah. Um, my, when I was 12, my mum went to Phillip Island for a week for work. And she's like, she was like, do you want me to bring you back anything? And I was like, bring me back Limp biscuit, chocolate starfish oh and the hot dog flavored water. She's like, okay. <laughs> she brought it back for me. It wasn't like, bring me back a shirt. It was, Ooh. can you bring me back this CD that I could just get at the local Sanity anyway? Jesus. And I don't think she knew what she was buying, although it did have a parental advisory sticker on it. But, like, the literally the first proper song, Hot Dog, it's like, he says yep. fuck so many times. <laughs> he, he literally has a line. He's like, if I say fuck two more times, that's 46 fucks in this fucked up rhyme. <laughs> And then yep. it just and so like she was just like, oh, what did I get? What did I buy him? Uh, that reminds me of like when I bought the single for Without Me, like Eminem. Yeah, and I was genuinely like freaking mm. out that I'd get like kicked out of the store, even though like Mum was there to like purchase it with me. Yeah, but yeah, I generally remember like panicking that like some sort of mall cop would come up and be like. Yeah. You're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I, reverted, I reverted back to that 12-year-old, though, when I was listening to Limp Bizkit the other day because, like, totally. I didn't realise that I'd put on the 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 uh, 
edited version that, that cuts out all the swear words. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Ew, give me the swear words. I want to hear the swears. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those, one of those acts that's like, it's redundant taking out the swear words. Oh, yeah. Totally. Half of it just ends up being like yeah. blank. um so what do we think of the song broadly speaking it's good yeah yeah richard i for me i know it's one of their most popular songs but it's never really been one of their best to me yeah yeah um i guess it's just them at the most like knowingly stupid and fair enough yeah um just yeah, I do love like the groove in the verse and yeah. I like the bridge as well, which is kind of sung. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's not even like top ten biscuit for me. I don't know anywhere near enough biscuit to be able to rank it. <laughs> so like, you would know you probably know break stuff. Is that um, everything is fucked, everybody sucks? Or is yeah. that yeah. 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 Uh, you would know Roland, Air Raid yes, Vehicle. Absolutely. You'd know Nookie, of course. Yes. Uh, do you know My Generation? My Generation. Yep. So you know Four. Yep. Good for you. You know Four. Well, you know, they covered Faith by George Michael. You know yeah. that. I That's know that. Yes. Yeah. I remember vibing to that song in high school. Ooh, what's your opinion about on Behind Blue Eyes, Richard? I actually like it. Um, I like yeah. the Who version. I think. But I think it's kind of a fitting cover for Limp Bizkit at that time. Yeah. 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 Because that was, like, where's Borland had left, hadn't he? In that yeah, album. he left for one album, yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably you probably know about six okay. Limp Bizkit songs. So Two of those are covers of other bands. Not tracking but, too bad. But, you know, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, solid C+. Plus. Yeah. Maybe a B. Probably a B. I still remember, like, my only exposure to Limp Bizkit as a kid, aside from, like, radio hits, was we were playing that game where, like, one person starts with a phrase. You sit in a circle and, like, whisper to each other, like, Mm. go around. So it's, like, a a lesson in, like, how messages can get distorted and all that kind of thing. And, yeah, like, one of the kids in my class had obviously been, like, vibing to Limp Bizkit because... He like the message that he passed around was chocolate starfish, not dog <laughs> Nice. And I just remember just being like, uh, like, yeah, I think by the end of it it ended up being like limp biscuit, chocolate biscuit dipped in hot dog flavoured water or something. <laughs> I don't yeah. Mm. And I I never really thought about it again until years later when I realized what all of that meant and mm. was quite upset. In my experience, the limp biscuit kid was it wasn't me. Um <laughs> But the Limp Biscuit kid uh, knew about Limp Biscuit in this period, not the chocolate starfish period a year later, where everyone knew about. Them. That's when I. That's when I got yeah. the, the, chocolate, the chocolate starfish period. But he kept. He just kept singing that one line from Break Stuff. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit <laughs> on repeat. Richard, what's your Limp Biscuit kid story at school? Yes. Um. Uh. I, I think I remember, um, what do I remember? Um, I think my friends, Chris and Anthony, Yay! wanted chocolate starfish for their birthday or something. And I don't remember if we ended up getting it for them. Aren't we all at the um, end of the day? Yeah. You are correct, though, in that, uh, yeah, that is quite a groovy, a groovy, um, 
guitar riff. Yeah, they could really play. That's yeah, that's and that's the thing. Like he hired or hired he enlisted talented musicians. Like they're all they all had a good background behind mm-hmm. them. Um, you like we were watching the film clip and you were just like, "What the fuck?" In terms of Wes <laughs> Borland, and we watched them play it live in Hungary in 2015 and he's just even more Wes Borland in 2015. Mm. You're just like, what the fuck is going on with that guy? And you're like, <laughs> we're watching a video of some guy explaining Nookie and it just had like a, a repeat slideshow of like the same three photos. And one of them is Wes Borland in like his whole body is just covered in black paint. And you're like, you're like, is that Wes Borland <laughs> second from the right? And I'm like, who else would it be in this band? I, I had to check. <laughs> there's there's an alternate reality where he grew up in Iowa and Slipknot mm. made the smart decision of not enlisting two drummers and a fucking sampler and were like, let's just have three guitarists. And he's Sweet. one of the guitarists. Yeah. Because my, my um, running theory with Wes Borland is that, like, his face paint and costumes and stuff getting more elaborate to like hide his continued shame from being in the biscuit. Ah. I mean, clearly post reunion is true. Like he got over them and like their whole deal in 03 or whatever. And you know, that's when they were still, they were a bit past their commercial peak, but like they would still get played on the radio and stuff. Yeah. And so he rejoined for like one album, the unquestionable truth part one. There is no part two. There is no part two. Um, but the title track, The Truth, is fantastic. That's okay. like them doing Rage Against the Machine and actually like pulling it off. Um, but yeah, then they had their like 2012 album, Gold Cobra, which by that point, like he seemed very over it. <laughs> I think they all he did it all for the the money, I guess. Yeah, what's a what's a what's a term for money that rhymes with the bookie? The yeah, the bookie. Bookie, yeah. 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 And uh but he, in his mind he was playing hooky. <laughs> yep. Can't follow like, that. He has he has uh you know done his side projects that like allows him to flex that creative muscle. Um yeah. I, I did listen to that one band a little bit, I can't remember what they're called. Like Black Light Burns? Yeah. When yeah. they first started, I was like, oh, that's the guitarist from uh from Limp Biscuit. He actually looks like he belongs in this band. <laughs> I like to think he just rocks up to that just as a normal dude. <laughs> like yeah. just like, yeah, nah. Yeah, but like it reminds me of that meme. I think it was like Elton John and Eminem standing together and like Eminem is entirely in black clothes and Elton John is, is elaborate. And it's like when the two, when you, when you and your best friend diverge in different paths, but you're both happy for each other and you're still best friends, no matter what. And it's like, that just makes me think of that. Like, yeah. Cause Limp, like the rest of Limp Bizkit are never going to be on his level. Absolutely not. Mm. They could never. But good guitarist nonetheless. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting person. <laughs> Shall we talk about the cover? I mean, I don't think I have anything else to say. Well, Any final thoughts, opinions? I, I would love I mean, to show you this uh, this car commercial. 
please do. Yeah, I have seen the car commercial. I am not. Uh, I showed you the car commercial and you were, you were like, is that Fred Durst? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I will say that they were probably the punkest band of the 90s. Yeah. Limp Bizkit. They were very. They were very anti-music. They were very. They were very much challenging the establishment. But they they were very corporate though. At the same time, like, yeah. He he did become the vice president or the senior vice president of like Interscope Records. Oh shit! Yeah, like really? Yeah, they like cared a lot about sales and stuff, or at least Fred Durst did. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, maybe one of the most. I don't want to say punk because that's giving too much credit, I think, but one of the more, I don't know, provocation-obsessed bands of the 90s. Definitely after some form of press, be it good or bad. Yeah. After some 41. That too. (laughs) I'm sure the real most punk band in the 90s is like someone like more obscure, you know. True. Like the Jesus Lizard or... I, I mean, I guess Rage Against the I, Machine. If you want to, if you want to, yeah. be pedantic about it, but yeah, It'd be someone like Fugazi or something, wouldn't it? Yeah, know. probably. I, I just but see I like I just see the entirety of Limp Bizkit being the equivalent of Sid Vicious wearing a swastika shirt, being like it offends mm. people, yeah. So I wear it. I see Limp yeah. Bizkit like we offend people, so we exist. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, I suppose. And and. uh Controversial opinion: They were the better new metal band than than Corn. Mm, I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna. I would say that um, Corn has many more listenable albums. I'm gonna say they do the uh, the new metal DJ shtick better than Slipknot did. I'm uh, actually maybe yeah. DJ Lethal <laughs> definitely contributed more than like. Any of those members. Sam is so upset by what you said that he's left. No, he's just getting a computer charger. I'm going to hang myself with it. No. Joey, (laughs) is there a way we could watch that car commercial and capture the sound natively? Uh, Yeah, but you have to give me screen share permission. Or you can open it and share. I am going to share my screen because I am lazy. Wait, no. I'm going to give you sharing privileges. Oh, and the the last thing I will say, the last thing I will say about well, not just Limp Bizkit but new metal in general is that the only time that it is perfect, perfectly matched, is when it's paired with wrestling. That's true. Hundred percent. New metal is the music for wrestling. And maybe we should have more of it. All right. How come screen sharing like minimizes you guys? That's weird. Uh, that would make sense because we... show video panel. I have so I had to manually re enable it. Um. All right. Hitting play. You hear it? Yes. Yeah. You'd do anything to get rid of this car, but who'd buy it with a CD changer that's stuck playing Limp Biscuit over? And over and over. Oh, there he is. Just sell it to CarMax. We'll buy any car, even this one. Because that's the way it should be. CarMax.
I, I'm putting it out there, and, and you will refute it, but, like, he kind of looks like my dad now. He really doesn't. And especially when my dad <laughs> shaved his beard off. Like... <laughs> I cannot stress enough how much he does not look like your dad. Wow. I know that you desperately want Fred Durst to be your dad, but... I kind of do. <laughs> Sam Durst. I, I kind of do. Emma like, Durst. That would be... That would Ooh, be that, uh... Maybe we should change our name to Durst. Maybe. <laughs> then we'll have a common surname. First names as well, Durst Durst. Absolutely not. It's all D- about... Durst the Fred Durst. <laughs> I was holding my breath. Okay. Let's talk about the cover. about the Japanese bands, not much information to find. This one, I couldn't find anything from their uh, from their Facebook, except they had an album out in 2016. Mm-hmm. It also seems like in Japan, they might do the whole date thing entirely different to us and America. They do it year, month, day. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's what I learned looking into the band Lost. This has been Japan Facts. <coughs> but I... This version of the song is how I had remembered the song in my <laughs> mind, how I had remembered mm. the original. I was like, because at one point in my life, Nookie was the heaviest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and like, hearing it like this is like, oh, this is how I remembered it being. And it, it I don't know, it feels like it taps more into, like, the groove side of it and definitely more, of course, the metalcore side of it. Um, I like the way that his voice gets really high when he says like a chump repeatedly as well, <laughs> leading up to the chorus. That's very I, funny. I think this is quite good. Excellent. We we listened to it on repeat a couple of times and, and Emma was like, wait, do you have it on repeat? Or is this like a really long version of Nookie? And I was like, yeah, it's Stairway to Heaven via Nookie. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I, man, I am, like, super into the Japanese covers. Like, Yeah, mm. except that Avril Lavigne cover, that one sucked. Yeah, true. But even, like, was, even that one wasn't boring. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly true. It. 
That is yeah. true. It was bad, but there was something to talk about with it. I think, like, mm. they just, maybe it is because it isn't, like, it's in English. Maybe they do approach it from, like, a slightly different angle to what we expect, but there's just something about how the Japanese scene, like, treats these kinds of covers, and it's just, it rules. Like, But this, sorry. You go. No, you finish. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, I was just going to say this also, this is the, the like, this makes the most sense in terms of, like, metalcore bands. Like, they should be covering songs like this. They should be covering this. They should mm-hmm. be covering Corn. They should be covering, you know, Faith No More, Rage Against the Machine. Like, they shouldn't be doing... They shouldn't be doing the pop songs. They should be doing the songs that influence their actual sound. It makes sense in terms of, like, this fits the brief because it's Pongo's 90s. Yeah, no, but that's... No, but what I'm saying is this is what they... This is what the bands should be doing because, you know, their most recent outings for bands is mostly just metalcore bands right. in terms of Pongo's. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense to be covering bands that have influenced them no and like i know what you're saying it's just that will only go so far in terms of yeah i know yes yeah i'm not suggesting that that fearless records now only produces metalcore goes new metal (laughs) i mean maybe once who knows get some stained in there what do you You know the guy from stained just released like a very conservative country song conservative in like musically or like in terms of what's it called again i think i think it's called like am i the only one and it's like am i the only one who you know gets pissed off seeing fucking liberals on the tv who turns off bruce springsteen on the radio because he's too political i haven't listened to it but that's my it's too political yet i'm gonna write a political song about it yeah. No. No. You're not the only one. They were uh, your friends were uh, made a made an impromptu visit at the Washington Capitol on January sixth. Mm. Yeah. No. You're not the only one. <laughs> Let me tell you that stained guy. You're not special, mm. and also fuck you. Also, your band's name is spelled wrong, and it's not as endearing as Limp Biscuit. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of uh, the? I like it. I think the instrumentation's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's got the very heavily processed guitars and some synth. I find the, the vocals are very like rushed, partly because yeah. of the tempo and like it's hard to make them out. Um, except for the bridge, but like just on a riff and instrumentation, like it's pretty good. Yeah. Is it just me or is it about a half a beat faster than the original? It is quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Noticeably faster. Yeah. I kind of like the urgency though. Like, <laughs> yeah. It- yeah, there's something about it where, like, the vocals are rushed, but that feels very deliberate to me. Like, it's just very, like, mm. we need to get this out as soon as possible. Quick, like, someone might notice we're covering, like, this, <laughs> we've got to do it and get out of it. <laughs> I don't know. It just, yeah, there's a real energy to it that, it yeah, it's, like, organised chaos almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I enjoy it very much. No, it's and it's, like you said, like, there's just something about the Japanese covers that just... Sort of really hit me in that sweet spot. It's 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 the total opposite to when I look at the, you know, the planner and go, oh, next week's an acoustic song, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to, you know, when I look at the Japanese covers now, I'm like, oh, sick, got a Japanese version. Exactly. Happy about that. Happy about that. I will say when you were talking about, I would just go back to Fred Durst 
very briefly when you did say he directed three films, you also forgot he directed an eHarmony commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. tell me more. We directed an eHarmony commercial. Yes, what did uh, it consist of? Well, eHarmony being the dating site. Yeah. I couldn't really find too much about it. I tried looking it up on YouTube and I couldn't. There was like maybe the same, it might have been the same one, like it was a video consisting of women fighting over something and Fred Durst might have been directing it, but then it might have also been someone else. I was about to ask if the women were fighting over Fred Durst. <laughs> I mean, in 1999 they would have been because he would have he would have written that narrative and they would have all been dressed like him. That's what I mean. It's like I wouldn't be surprised if you just sort of extrapolated that narrative into everything you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, every time they're discussing their new video, it's just like, all right, so what's happening? And Fred's just like, you know what's happening. Yeah. All right, partner. Apparently it's not a very Durstian uh, video. Oh. Well, the so, eHarmony video. Yeah, apparently he was just a guy they hired. Like, it's not, you know, Fred Durst does an eHarmony video. No, I can imagine, I, I can imagine it's not Fred Durstian. But uh, that was definitely a thing that he seemed to enjoy was the backup dancers dressed like him. It's a yeah, vibe. Definitely. I get it. <laughs> like proto-seer. <laughs> and he did it at um, WrestleMania 19, infamously. Uh-huh. Where um they yeah. limp, they were introduced as Limp Biscuit, the WWF's favorite band. Oh, which they kind of were. Like, yeah, my generation played was the video package for the Rock Stone Cold main event at that. It was my way. Yes, it was my way. Yeah, but at Mania nineteen, they also did um they did the theme song called Crack Addict, um. And they did Roland for The Undertaker like two years after the song came out. Yeah. So, yeah. Fred Durst in a wrestling ring. Do we do we have any more uh, thoughts on Lost's version? Because I have a segue that I could uh, jump into, jump onto. I do not. Richard? I thought I had something, but I think I lost it. I'll come back to it. I mean, I came back to... E-harmony. Yeah. You know, so if you if it comes back to you, you can just comment at any point. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I am yeah. fine with it. Yes, Emma's I'm fine with it. Sure. So it. I have looked into other covers and this week it's pretty uninspired. It's just a lot of metalcore bands doing this. And so it's pretty much a, a lot of bands just sounding the same. No one of note has done it. So I did want to talk about... Fred Durst's appearances in video games. Yes. And the first one to segue off of what we were just talking about, he was in the video game WWF SmackDown, Just Bring It, as a playable character. If you played as The Undertaker in a slobber knocker match and won 20 (laughs) matches in a row, you unlocked Fred Durst and he came out in a lowrider. All right, I'm out, bye. But no, so the interesting thing is, is because... Is it though? <laughs> I mean, sure. Roland, Air Raid, you know, Brackets Air Raid Vehicle was the theme song for The Undertaker, mm-hmm. who used yep. before that Kid Rock's American Badass. Sweet. So 
they release this game and they're like, well, we want Roland for when The Undertaker comes out in the game. Yeah. What can we do? So they spoke to Fred Durst and he was like, yeah, cool. You can license it, but I want to be a playable character in the game. Uh I don't don't necessarily want money, but I want to be in the game with my own moveset and my own special entrance. And if I'm tag teamed with The Undertaker, we'll have a combined special entrance. So Durst is basically just like a good version of Trump. Well, he had a red cap. Yeah, red cap. Which I wonder, because it seems like he stopped wearing it during that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Which I, because I don't think he, like, I looked into it because I was like, was he a Trump guy? And he he called for Trump to resign at one point. He was like, this guy's a joke. You should resign. You're in the highest office in the world. You should quit. Mm. You're an idiot. Uh, but yet he he had good things to say about Putin. So he's a he's got a chaotic energy, I suppose. But yeah. like Red Hat, marketing genius, stand, like talks himself up. Yeah, very like mm. self promoting. I think there's a level of self awareness with Fred Durst, though. I think he understands his worth almost. Like he wouldn't say things like, you know, if. If I was around when a school shooting was happening, I would go in there and take care of the guy like yeah. Trump did. Like he wouldn't. Which is what I mean by like him being like a, a redeemable. Trump yes. Character. Yes. Like a good Trump character. And yeah, that's that's like I'm sort of like Trump is sort of like Fred Durst, like on crack. That's it. Like Trump is. I think Trump is what we assume of Fred Durst, but not like totally understand mm. of Fred Durst. Well, no, Trump is just Kid Rock. Trump is kid Trump Rock. is Vince McMahon, but worse. Yeah. 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 Well, is Vince McMahon worse? I mean, is Vince McMahon better? Vince McMahon has at least provided us with a lot of entertainment and is in on the joke, yeah. despite having very bad labor practices and having covered up at least one murder. Yeah. Whoa, the, the Saudi okay. deal was not good. Yeah. Um, but Trump's still worse. He yeah. he basically killed Owen Hart because it was I, I don't know punishment. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Fred Durst was also in the Fight Club game. Well, Fred Durst was then in the next next year's WWF game for Xbox, but he had no special entrance. Oh, so like yeah. it was just like he was there. Fred Durst. Hey everyone, it's that guy Fred Durst. And it's pretty funny. Listening to uh, w- then WWF commentator Jim Ross like talk about Fred Durst. Right. Sorry. Wow. Is it one of these things where it's just like they sub in just the name like Fred Durst? Like, I think they did put in some lines. I think that was, I mean, he wanted the full experience. He wanted to be a wrestler in a video game. But I think he realized, like, I don't want to be a real wrestler because. I could mm. land wrong and that's going to suck. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not insane clown posse who were wrestlers. Yeah. He strikes me as someone who would have like a solid skincare routine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like I, yeah. Mad respect for him, honestly. Uh, so in the year 1996, mm-hmm. American author Chuck Palahniuk yes. wrote the book Fight Club, which then got turned into a movie in 1999. And inspired a nation of incels. Yes. Pretty much. Uh, many, probably more than half of the, the viewership got the message wrong in this book <laughs> and movie. And the developers of the Fight Club game in 2004 also got the message wrong because it's mm. just like, 
Well, Fight Club, Fight Game. The first rule of Fight Club is be yourself and have fun. The first rule of Fight Club is player one gets the best controller. <laughs> player two is just a bitch. Amazing. <laughs> so, yes. This game that is, uh, it's more, I think, following the book than the movie because, like, Brad Pitt's not in this game. Edward Norton's not in this game. So they're very just sort of generic-looking versions of the characters. Um, And, yeah, you can unlock Fred Durst for reasons. Um, Speculation is because he had a line in one of his songs, I've seen Fight Club, like... 28 times uh he was friends with david fincher the director of fight club but also because he was senior vice president or whatever his position was at interscope records (laughs) which was a subsidiary of universal fight club the game was made by vivendi universal and i think he just sort of went i've seen fight club like at this point like 48 times (laughs) You're making a game. I've been in game. Put me in this game. Like I wow. said, rude businessman. They also the game also includes Abraham Lincoln, President wow. Abraham Lincoln is an unlockable character. Would that be? Well, he was a boxer. No, right. but like also oh. the reference. I think you're going to you were about to say all the bit of like if you could fight anyone, yes. who would you fight? Yeah, yeah, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, They've gone uh, No. They couldn't get the rights to Gandhi. (laughs) But the last one, um, it just blows my mind. So going back to Corn and Jonathan Davis, um, he was going to make a video game, Jonathan Davis, Mm -hmm. called Pop Scars. (laughs) So this is... Where pop people form a scar band. So this is... uh, (laughs) Imagine... Um, This is an article written for MTV News in their archive, written by Corey Moss. It's not a very long article, so if you'll indulge me. Sure. Let me indulge myself. I I might read this article. You were going to read it regardless. I was going to read snippets, but I would also like to read the the whole lot. Go for it. Uh, So, title, thanks to Jonathan Davis, Marilyn Manson can kick Fred Durst's ass. So already, yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's one thing. Yes, he might have lied about having sex with Christine Aguilera and Britney Spears, but he hasn't been cancelled. So, yeah. Uh, Universal City, California, after reuniting for a fall tour, Corn and Limp Biscuit are ready to throw down. Don't go looking for back-to-brawling tour tickets just yet, though, as the bands are set to battle only in the cyber world in a video game Jonathan Davis is developing called Pop Scars. It's basically a celebrity fighting game, but in the context of a Soul Calibur or Mortal Kombat, where it's a real fighting game and it's not just a cheap fighting engine just for the hell of it because it's celebrity fighting. Davis said, pointing out the alleged difference between his game and Def Jam Vendetta. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) Which Def Jam, well, Def Jam Vendetta was good. Def Jam Fight for New York was amazing. Sweet. It also introduced me to one Henry Rollins. Oh. It's going to be this real killer fighting game with these incredible different worlds where you can go. Is that what he actually sounds like? Well, he like? does have an Australian accent, so no. Along with Corn and Limp Biscuit, the game is slated to feature some of Davis's other musician friends. Like, I think all of Corn were going to be in it. 
and Stained. So the I think this is the lead singer of Stained and Marilyn Manson, all sketched by comic book artist Marty Ed- Emmond. It's not going to be just rock people, though, Davis said. It's going to be everybody. Mary J. Blige and some more on the pop side that I've got to go after. Just a well-rounded roster, so it'll be cool. This is the best part. Yep. Spokespeople for Blige did not return phone calls. Hey. (laughs) Each celebrity will have a world catered to his or her personality with different traps and things that can just really eat them up, Davis said. It's going to be gory, and it's going to be good. Short of the actual programming, Davis said he has been involved in every part of developing the game, including choosing the designs. The designs of what? He's currently meeting with a different game makers to find a home for the product. I'm really excited about it because we spend most of our time gaming. Davis said, it's music and games. That's my escape. I love it. I just want to point out, that since, I mean, that paragraph before, short of the programming, Davis said he's been involved in developing the game. That makes it sound like there wasn't any programming because it's like (laughs) you're meeting with game makers to find a home for the product. Like if you have programmers, then surely they have ways to like get it distributed, you know? Yeah. It feels very like masterfully written to sort of insinuate that, this pro this project is barely off the ground. Like yeah. there isn't even any. There's no pictures or anything for no. it. It's not like it's not like when a game like I'm thinking of like a game like StarCraft Ghosts, where it was StarCraft mm. the RTS, but in this instance, you're playing as a female assassin, and it's a stealth game that had video, that had pictures, that yeah. had mockups and 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 premise. Whereas this, it just seemed like he woke up one day and was like, "I'm gonna make a video game," and he's like. It's gonna have everybody in it, but I need to ask them first. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, yeah. he asked his new metal friends first, and, and he was friends with Fred Durst. And you know, Fred Durst was probably like, Yeah, I've been in video game, put me in game. Put me in game. <laughs> and it was like Mary J. Blige is gonna be in it, but Mary J. Blige's people did not respond. <laughs> I'm gonna go on Twitter and ask him if he ended up making the game. <laughs> Jonathan Davis. Yeah, I'm sure he has Twitter. Surely. I mean, Metallica had a game that they even advertised in a trailer for, which I don't know if there was a name, but it was basically like Mad Max style vehicular combat, ripping okay. off twisted metal. That never came out. Um, the the second best line of this article is Davis said he plans to continue making video games after Pop Scars. Yeah. <laughs> Two of those things are a lie. Yeah. I mean, technically it's true. It didn't start. After he makes the other one, he'll continue, but he never did. That's wonderful. I like I like that he's just sort of like, yeah, I'm I'm entirely involved. I like to think the reason that it that it didn't end up getting made was because he was gonna be the he was gonna be the developer of this game, and then he was like, oh wait, I don't know how to code. Oh, I, fuck. I can't just draw pictures and, and and it's a game. That's like they don't even have like the character sketches from the no. artists. Like there's nothing. No. Like I, I imagine it was probably just a case of him because I, I don't know if it was, there might have been after this article, but the game developer, American McGee, mm-hmm. who developed, he developed a couple of uh, Alice in Wonderland games, but they're like, dark Alice in Wonderland games. And the first one was well-received. The second one, not so much. 
Her currency was teeth as well, which is weird. But he was going to develop this game. Um, yeah, it's just it's a it's a pretty interesting, it's a pretty interesting one. I just imagine that he's just gone up to like the comic book artist and is like, "Will you do art for this game?" And the guy was just sort of like, "Sure, maybe." Like, <laughs> and like gone up to American McGee, "Will you develop this game?" Are you Jonathan Davis from Corn? And like he's just like he's gotten a lot of maybes and has gone, I'm making a game. Yeah. I I just pulled up a 29 interview with Jonathan Davis at uh Kotaku. Yeah. Okay. All about him being a, a programmer. Um and he explained in 2019, I had all the biggest pop and rock stars at the time that were down to do it. Citation needed. Um oh but he said it was one of, with one of the gaming companies. And they had to pull out because they had to pull entire teams for other games. But like, again, it sounds like they didn't start. No, no. There's no, there's no art at the very least. There's no concept art for Fred Durst as this comic book drawn fighting character. There's nothing. Like it didn't start. Mm. I, I'm sure it was just a half baked. Like woke up. Like I'm going to make a video game. It's going to be. Oh, oh, it's going to be called Pop Scars. Get it? So I've just asked him, how's Pop Scars coming along, ETA, question mark. Um, so I'll report back if we hear anything. And I mean, because, I, yeah, we've got a pretty healthy following of 142 people, so... I think I think it's enough to get some attention. He's gonna he's gonna oh, it. He's, <laughs> he's gonna come back and he's gonna listen to this episode and he's gonna be like, "How dare he say that Limp Bizkit's better than Corn?" Does he actually sound like that? A little bit, kind of. Okay. Okay. He's gonna listen so, to it and be like, "This guy has no idea what I sound like." Probably. <laughs> sans Sans Australian accent. True. But, hey, I will say this. I've seen Limp Bizkit, not Limp Bizkit, I've seen Corn Live, and they're, they're a good live act. When did you mm. see that? Oh, like 2013 or 2014 Soundwave. Uh-huh. Might have been my Dubstep era. Huh? Dubstep era Corn. Yeah, that oh, was. They, they didn't do the dubstep st- Dubstep. Damn. Dubstep. Those stuff, are bangers. Though. Cool. Mm, but they did work with Skrillex. Sounds right. I mean, Skrillex yeah, does look like Jonathan Davis's son, so <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> well, what a wild ride. Um, before we go even further off the rails, hell yeah or yeah nah with regards to Nookie? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah from me too. I'll say hell yeah. With Limp Bizkit overall, a bit more of a conditional... Hell yeah. Not yeah. always a hell yeah, but for this, sure. You know what you can do with that opinion? Stick, Stick it up my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Richard, is there anything? Well, thank you for <laughs> coming on. That is the polite thing to say before I start <laughs> firing questions at you. Thank anything you for having you me. Plug? I'm going to say No. Cut the audio, that's perfect. (laughs) Well, this has been Nookie.